0: I was waiting for you to begin. I'm just looking at her. We're having a staring contest to see who is going to go first. Welcome to the Nooner Show. It's a
1: staring contest. It's a staring contest. If you could only see. If you could only see. It's probably good you can't. Anyway, I like your lipstick.
0: Thank you. You know what? What? We were recently out in public and someone commented (gasps) about my lipstick, which is my signature lips. It I, is. I have worn this
1: forever. Yes, you like the bright. Always. Do you always do bright lipstick? I, I always do this do. exact
0: same lipstick.
1: You do? I do. You Cher- don't change
0: colors? Never.
1: It doesn't matter it. what you're wearing.
0: Never. Always this bright. Really? Yep. Revlon 440. Cherries in the snow.
1: Really. Anyway,
0: I was at a Starbucks. Starbucks, and these these young girl, this young girl, she's like, "I like your lipstick." I'm like, "Oh, thank you." And then two other young girls are like, "Oh, I like it too." And I'm like, "Oh, thanks, ladies." And I said, you all could wear it. And they're like, oh, no. I'm like, oh, yes, you can wear it. It's bright. You all have dark hair. Anybody can wear this. They
1: started doing a makeover. I did. Starbucks employees. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly.
0: But I said, all of you can wear this because, you know, you've got anybody can wear any color you want. You just got to put it on and go. And the one girl said, my boyfriend doesn't like lipstick.
1: Wait a minute. Really? Really? Yes, that's what she said. That was her reason? Her boyfriend doesn't like... Her
0: boyfriend doesn't like lips. He doesn't like kissing when I have lipstick on. He doesn't like the feel of the wax. Oh, jeez. The- <laughs> one of her co-workers said, you need a new boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> are you sure you didn't say that? Uh, I you have- were
1: thinking I it. may have
0: thought it. Yeah. I may have thought it. Yeah. But at any rate. Mm-hmm. Um, it does look Do you ever good. compliment anybody when you see like their eyes are done always. well? Always, or-
1: always, always, always.
0: How do people usually take that?
1: Um, no, they like it. Surprised. Yeah. Some people actually start conversation like you, you know, other people, it's just, oh, you know, thank you. You could tell they might be a little uncomfortable, but no, I do all the time.
0: Yeah, I do too. Why yeah. not? oh no, Yeah. No. Any reason. I'll talk to anybody.
1: Oh, I know you, you, especially somebody with pets. I notice you go up to everybody that has a pet.
0: Um, yeah. yeah. You're, you know, I'm a you're dog mom. Yeah. I like, I like dogs.
1: Yeah. You know? So mm-hmm. yeah, I am. I'm also a Jeep girl. Oh, I know. So I heard you talking about the, what is it, ducks? To be ducked. What does that, yeah, what is that all about? Um. So Jeep people. It's first, like a secret community. Well, kind of, yes. Yeah. So
0: okay. people who drive Jeeps, Jeep Wranglers, two-door, four-door, doesn't matter. But we have a, we have like a, we always wave to each other. Like that's just. Really? I know. When, my, when I bought my first Jeep a very, very long time ago, the dealer told me this, and I thought he was kidding. But Jeeps typically will just kind of like—it's kind of like piece.
1: motorcycle people do that too, don't they? I don't know. Oh, I've never driven okay. a motorcycle.
0: Mm. They may, uh, but anyway, we we always wave to each other. Like it's just you know you just kind of do like a little piece like hey, that kind of thing. And some people don't wave back, but for the most part, you know mm-hmm. they'll wave to you. And the other uh, phenomenon is that Jeep owners will. There are people who will duck, who will put a little plastic rubber duck on somebody else's Jeep. And sometimes they have a little tag and then you can, it's got a ha- um, hashtag and you can go on and put where you've been.
1: Like a little toy? Yeah, like a little like a little rubber ducky. And they go set it on your Jeep? They'll put it on your Jeep, on your windshield
0: or on your door so handle. So it's somebody
1: with another Jeep.
0: Somebody with another. And what
1: th- does it mean?
0: It's just like, hey, you've got a cool Jeep. And sometimes it'll, sometimes. How did it, it
1: get to, who started
0: that? I have no idea. Some, some of the, I've been ducked four or five times and really yeah some of them are just plain yellow one of them's like a wonder woman jeep one of them's pink and it's got a number on it like i've got a couple different
1: it's mysterious like there's no call me or no Mm-mm.
0: sometimes mm-hmm. there's a little tag that says you go on a hash you know you, you go to this website and you follow a hashtag and
1: really yeah.
0: that's But it's interesting isn't it cuz it's connecting with someone that you don't know right who you probably aren't going to see Right. So often, like when I come to my Jeep and I've been ducked, mm-hmm. um, I'll like look around to see like, oh, who gave this to me? And then I yell, thank you.
1: Do you, uh, do you ever do it to somebody else?
0: No, because I know I've never ducked anybody, but there are people who have like a whole bunch of like little ducks and they see it. Cool oh, they you should do
1: it with the Nooner Show card.
0: Right. Exactly. And a fortune cookie. There we Promote go. Promote the business. Promote yeah. the
1: podcast. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Why not? Why not? Oh, no. Goodness. Okay. Never mind. I'm missing the point, I guess. All right, moving on. Of the rubber ducky. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Are you
0: ready to get started? I'm
1: ready to get started.
0: Welcome to The Nooner Show. Here's your host, Jackie Wallace, Gina Guccini, and Rocky Wallace. This segment is designed to showcase the stories of talented individuals who had a wish and found a way to make it happen. They set goals, overcame obstacles, and turned setbacks into comebacks. Their stories are uniquely interesting and, most of all,
1: inspiring. Michael Cormier is the driving force behind Third Circle, Inc., a nonprofit organization that develops personalized support for people of variety of different abilities. Mike used his background of experiences, along with his values of connections, companionship, and community, to strike out on his own and start Third Circle back in 2016, he has a reputation for incredible dedication, tireless advocacy, and leadership in creating a culture of gentleness, and has been the recipient of numerous awards, including most recently, the Chamber Choice Award with special United States congressional recognition. Welcome to the Nooner Show, Michael Cormier.
2: Woo! Thank you for having me.
1: Yeah. What about this award? This sounds uh- like, you know... What is uh, United States Congressional Recognition?
2: Uh, Alyssa Slotkin um, endorsed that. So that was through the Clarkston Chamber of Commerce. Um, they awarded me the first ever Chamber Choice Award. That was just um, 2021, the first time they've ever
1: wow. um,
2: had an award like that. So, um, so that was pretty special.
1: Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. And so... We want to start off with Third Circle Inc. Like, what exactly is it and who does it serve?
2: So Third Circle is a nonprofit organization that supports individuals with intellectual disabilities, um, a variety of abilities. Um, A lot of folks on the autism spectrum, um, some folks with Down syndrome, um, all ages, really, ranging from 5 to 70 um, and on up. So we provide 24-hour in-home care support and transportation. So each, we have about 18 um, residential homes in Oakland County. Um, So each home is provided with a a house manager to kind of help facilitate appointments and staffing. So 24-hour around-the-clock staffing for folks that need care. Um, I lease a vehicle for each home um, so the individuals can get to school, um, doctor's appointments, social activities, um, anything that, you know, you or I would need to get to.
0: So are these people who are currently diagnosed or in the process of becoming diagnosed? Um, they're
2: diagnosed. So we work with the County. Um, I do a lot of, um, a lot of work with the Arc of Oakland. Mm-hmm. Um, they're a fiscal intermediary and, um, the Macomb Oakland Regional Center, MORK. um, a lot of folks receive um, a plan of service through um, Mork. Um, they have Mork as a network with support coordination, um, like a social worker, dietitians. It's a big powerhouse network of.
0: So, somebody who was young, you said from five, so five to eighteen, they'd be in the school system. So yes. they have an IEP.
2: Yes. So up until age twenty-six, you're you're of school age to right. attend school. Um, and then after 26, you age out. And then a lot of folks are looking to transition from mom and dad's house. Um, okay, That can start up to 18 years old. So everybody that I support in a 24-hour setting is 18 and up. Um, anybody younger than that, even older than that, um, a lot of folks, if they're still living at home with mom and dad or a guardian, um, we would provide care supports um, to go in, offer respite mm-hmm. to the mom and dad uh, or caregiver. So, um, but within the 24-hour realm, um, we have you know 24-hour round-the-clock staffing and transportation, and then the so we coordinate with um, mork to come in and facilitate a plan of service. So they would outline, like an IEP, mm-hmm. outline their annual, yearly. Um, goals Mm -hmm. like you or I would have for ourselves. Um, and that would be, um, maybe getting paid employment out in the community, um, which might require a job assessment, a job coach, kind of developing everybody's skill sets and, um, helping them move forward to make meaningful connections in the community. Um, and hopefully develop a social circle, if that's one of their goals, try to get everybody, um, as active as possible out in the community to live their best lives.
0: So you're facilitating with a whole bunch of other agencies. Absolutely. Yes. And family.
2: Yes. Families. It's quite a network. So, um, my first introduction to the field was when I was 18 years old. Um, I received my training, um, through MORC. It was at the time called the Macomb Oakland regional center. Um, and now they just use the acronym MORC. Mm -hmm. Um, and that was, I, was, I received my initial training at Clinton Valley Center. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. That was mm-hmm. the Eastern Michigan Asylum for the Insane. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where um, I received my initial training back in 1997 um, as a caregiver. Um,
0: and you were how old?
2: Jeez, uh, 18. So you were young. Wow. Yes. So take us back to yeah. that point.
0: At, at, where did that desire to help and be in this field... Where did it come from?
1: Like an 18-year-old, what would make you want to go into that?
2: So I had um, the type of parents that pushed me out into the community to do different things and help. Um, uh, I think I had a neighbor across the street that was um, an activities director for um, a local place for blind folks. Mm -hmm. And we would go, um, myself and um, my friend would go along and volunteer Um, On bowling activities, like for just people with different abilities, um, just at a young age doing those types of things. Um, Then my one of my first jobs, um, when I was 15, I was eligible for a worker's permit. And I got a job at a nursing home. I was the laundry guy out of all things. Um, And during the times when you're waiting for laundry to wash and dry and all those things, you have some downtime. So I would be down in the dementia unit and mm-hmm. I would be kind of just hearing the stories of folks that were in the nursing home and they were, you know, lonely, looking for interaction and a young person comes in and they want to talk, you know. So right. um, I was just doing, you know, having casual conversations with folks, but you learn a lot from older folks, really. Sure. Like they're so wise. You but know?
1: that's fascinating because 15 years old, you must have been an old soul. I mean, I I don't know a 15-year-old young person that would be that into that.
2: It was fascinating. It was also interesting because a lot of those people I would meet for the first time every day. It was, I would come down the hallway and I would meet, you know. You
0: kept, you kept meeting them.
2: Yep. I would meet these two ladies that were besties. They would meet each other every day and then they would form their plan to bust out of the nursing home and they wanted to loop me in. They're like, pull your car around back. Oh like, <laughs>
1: No way. The train
2: comes at midnight, you know. And, um, and so, of course, like I have a sense of humor and, yeah. you know, I just engaged. I was right. like, this is hilarious. And they so, were
0: in a, they they had some mental difficulties.
2: Obviously, like some... I didn't realize what was the deal back then. But, right. Right, but they did, so some
0: dementia, so you were having the same conversation, it was like Groundhog Day, having the same conversation, and they didn't remember you from day to day. Right, and
2: then within, uh, once I took that job on, um, a lot of, uh, you know, friends from high school um, were taking on um, kitchen aid jobs at that nursing home, or nurse Mm -hmm. aid jobs at that nursing home, so we kind of networked, and I understood a little more about what was going on. And um, it was just interesting to get to know some of the folks, and then I just got more integrated down there and doing more things. And then,
0: so fast forward to eighteen, and now you're going to do your initial formal training.
2: Yes, one thing led to another, and like I said, us, different volunteer experiences and um, people in the community and friends that were um, getting into caregiving at that time led me up to the Mork training experience. I had, you know, my first, um, interaction with a mentor, Mike Vincent, um, Kim Junty. they were my initial trainers through Macomb Oakland regional center. Um, Mike is now retired. Um, Kim is the director of Mork training at this time. Um, and I met, met those folks all the way back then. So it's been a long journey with that, with that team. I got, um, I got a job at a company called Innovative Lifestyles. It's um, a 501c3 nonprofit, and I worked with that organization for nearly 20 years before starting Third Circle. So oh, wow, I did everything from entry-level direct support to uh, medical coordinator, assistant manager, leadership roles, administration, all of the things that you would do I did everything with that organization except for I wasn't part of the startup. That that organization had already been established probably for four years before I came along. So I never I'd never seen what a startup looked like.
1: Right. Mm-hmm.
0: I just, so so after twenty years, then you had a wish, yeah, to start your own organization organization. Yeah, one What was thing,
2: that? One thing kind of just led to another organically. There were a lot of, that's a whole nother podcast, but <laughs> one thing led to another. That's the one we swear on. Oh, so okay, We'll one, save that one. Yeah. One thing led to another and it ultimately led to the realization that it was time for me to move forward. There was nowhere mm-hmm. for me to grow and I was seeking out leadership opportunities and growth at that time. So, um, it just made sense for me to explore that um i took on a very short stint with another organization um it didn't it was just a short 2 month stint um and it didn't work out so i abruptly quit but i had already i had already started considering st- starting my own nonprofit doing my own organization um and I kind of put that on the back burner to go partner up with another, another guy that was kind of doing something similar. We didn't, we didn't align, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So um, I quickly realized it was time for me to make a transition, and then I abruptly left the organization after just two months and um, and just began to start my organization as I was. Splitting with my ex of 15 years, I was no longer living in my house, my four bedroom house. I was then you love um, change, yeah, all at once. Oh, it was right, let's just Chaos, skip the 20, yeah. the 20 year journey, <laughs> start a
1: business.
0: The 15 so, year, so relationship. a few things oh, got in the way, geez. yes, a few things got in the way, um,
2: you know. It was all of these things. So to leave, I had some hurdles. Uh, bankruptcy at the time to get out of that relationship oh, wow. entitled that. So it okay. was um, starting a business um, as you end a 15 year relationship. Leave your job of twenty years, all your benefits, all your money, wow. all the things, and then with the bankruptcy, it's fun, it's fantastic, and then uh, kind of finding a landing space. The true um,
1: definition of an entrepreneur, right here, is somebody crazy enough to do all this at once.
2: It's not right? like I wanted to do all that stuff at once. It was a universal push, yeah. And it just but was, sometimes
0: that's how life is. Like you have yeah. a plan. My mother has always said, "You make plans, and God laughs." Right. So he
2: was having a good old time. He me, was. So, yes. You have
0: a good sense of humor. So you. We <laughs> well, so for let me ride. ask you
1: this, not, not to, uh, I want you to keep going with what you were, what you, how you were describing everything, but how did you keep moving forward then on that business decision, business plan, business goal? Because a lot of people would say, forget it. I can't do this right now. I can't, I'm going through bankruptcy. I'm splitting up. Um, I need a steady income. I, this is too much of a risk. How did, what? kept you going?
2: I don't know. Sure. Crazy. (laughs) Sheer crazy, I guess. Really. I kind of look back. I really didn't think about it during that time. I just went. I did it.
1: Because it would have been easier to get a job.
2: Well, I also I mean, I kind of tried that, you know, with the two month stint. Um, It just. You know, after that experience, it led me to come to the realization the the push is for me to have you know, right. my own thing.
0: And you never know how strong you are until strong is the only option yeah. you have. That's
2: really where, where it came down to. Um, I had enough savings. Um, you know, I was really focused. I kind of just, I was meeting with different people at the time talking about doing the startup. Um, some people were kind of underestimating me at the time and kind of pushing me in the other direction. And other people were like, you should have did this 10 years ago. I've always thought that. Um, i was kind of formulating my plan and then i realized i really just needed to disconnect from everybody so not having any kind of a dating life um, no kids i had no pets um, it was just really the perfect time to really reevaluate myself and see uh, what i'm left with you know kind of moving forward and so it was um a unique time because i was really i really didn't consider myself a homeless person at the time but and talking to other people they're like, "Yeah, so you were homeless at the time. I didn't have a landing place transitioning. Yeah. So I was I had stayed at a couple different friends' houses um and ultimately landed on a couch for a period of time." Oh wow. Before I got my first office. This
1: is a great story.
2: <laughs> I would take naps during the day. So like when I was getting um when I was getting started up, um, I had already had you know twenty years established with uh, with community and the other organizations that I was working with. So I had a pretty great reputation um, that I really didn't I really didn't think all of those things of myself during the time until right. people were telling me. And it's like okay, so then I started doing. Um, the landscape kind of changed in the mental health field where um, we were going we had the opportunity to go into homes and there were all these new diagnoses coming out that I had never experienced over the 20 years. I was mostly working with folks from the psychiatric institutions coming out, schizophrenia, um, intermittent explosive disorder, where we were just making sure people were feeling safe. We were keeping them out of jail and we were trying to provide them, you know, with a loving home environment um, and trying to integrate them into the community straight out of the institution. So, Working with these other families, my first clients were um, some young folks from Birmingham. Um, You know, they're uh, well-to-do families that were... um,
1: Wouldn't expect.
2: Right, that I hadn't really been on that end of things before. And so I would go into the home and I would develop social circles for... a lot of young folks that didn't have opportunities, they kind of had, if you will, the invisible disability. Mm-hmm. A lot of folks on the autism spectrum and different syndromes that most people aren't really in the know about, um, really don't know how to act, interact with those people or, or how to treat somebody that's experiencing an invisible disability because everybody presents you know, very much like just you or I or anybody else because they are just like you or I or yeah. anybody else but happen to have... A plan of service to treat this particular diagnosis, and so they also don't have a um, any way to really get together. So I would facilitate. I was driving a Mustang at the time. I thank God I paid off my car. I paid <laughs> off my Mustang before the bankruptcy and all those things that was that had already been paid off. So, um, but it's not the uh, it's not the ideal vehicle to be transporting group activities in. So like getting five folks together. I would swap out my Mustang to one of my buddies with the minivan and a family. So he'd get my Mustang for the week. I'd get the minivan and then I'd run my social circles to get these folks, um, together to meet. Um, cause that was, that's one of the other hurdles. Um, none of these folks drive, say they have a seizure disorder. Right. You have to be seizure free for one year before you can get a driver's license. Everybody has, um, anxiety and panic disorders. Um, So getting into a car with an Uber or a Lyft isn't necessarily ideal using public transportation. Um, Everyone's working on kind of learning money skills. Um, Everybody's very smart and talented and creative, but everybody just has challenges in different departments, right? And so that's where I would go in and I would kind of work.
1: is, Is that how you identified that need? Yes. That problem that had to be solved?
2: yes, that's, I pretty much organically came into that. I mean, I always knew that going, working in the field because we, transportation was part of it. Mm -hmm. Um, we would transport folks to and from, but, but going into the home, into the, uh, community, into the family homes and then working with the families and kind of seeing who needed to be where and when, and how that, how that was going to look and shake down where you don't have a, house manager per se, it's mom and dad or grandma and grandpa or brother and sister that are their guardian or helping them um, live their best life in their house. Um,
1: Let me ask you something else. How did you explain to like your friends and your family, especially when you're going through that down that, you know, not good season of your life? How did you explain to them, wait, I'm starting my own nonprofit? Because that's hard to do.
2: It is. So I didn't realize that though, cause it's all I've ever known. It's the only area I've ever worked in outside of, you know, when I was a teenager, I worked at, you know, the nursing home and I did double duty also at McDonald's, you know, that's where, um, you got a job when you were 15 in my neighborhood. So, um, outside of that, my first, you know, big boy job was not in the nonprofit arena. So, um, it made sense to me and it's, it's nonprofit, it's not no paycheck. So
1: right. What's can you explain that? Cause I think some people get confused with nonprofit. They think it doesn't make a profit, but you have to have a profit to fund what you're doing.
2: Yeah. So how
1: do you know when a business idea should be a nonprofit or not?
2: Well, part of why um, why I wanted to do nonprofit was because with the nonprofit experience and everything I got to do with the first organization I worked at, I had great mentors. So for this 20 years that I was with the first company I worked with, Innovative Lifestyles, my boss was a fantastic mentor, which led me to um, all the mentors that I had. And while I was with these mentors, these psychiatrists, um, doctors, social workers, nurses, dietitians all these people, I was getting free mentorship. I, and I, I was getting paid for it. I was getting paid to receive the mentorship. But I wasn't so blind that I didn't realize who I was with right. and like how to receive it. Right. So I see that while I'm working with people today, you can't convince people to take it. So right. um, so I was very lucky in the way that I was self-aware enough to know the presence I was in. Right. So learning all of the things, I mean, I had so many different opportunities. I was included on so many things. I was so lucky to be a part of so many different things in this amazing you know, network. Um, everything just clicked and it made sense. So really, I didn't have to... It, I didn't have to do a whole lot of explaining to anybody. Really, I think it was just there was, there's people that go, that are going to kind of, you know, sell you short, and then there's people that are going to lift you up. And yeah. so you just kind of have to figure out who that is and who's who so wants.
1: How long did it take you then from your idea of what you wanted to do to actually... Forming a nonprofit. Because from what I understand, it's not easy to do.
2: I didn't realize that until other people told me they were trying to start one and how hard it was. And I was like, it was. I I don't know. Because I really have to tell you, it's almost like I blacked out during that time. Because I try to remember things. I don't know what the hell happened to me during that time. Just somehow. It it... was like someone just lit me on fire and said, go. And I did.
0: You obviously, though, are disciplined.
2: Yes. So that was another thing. I didn't have... um, any downtime. So while I had cut everybody off, so I had deactivated all my social media kind of. Oh, wow. Really? Yeah. So I was working. um, Very focused. I had my uh, I was on a really tight budget because obviously I had um, I was doing the couch surfing the couch thing at a friend's place. So um, I would I had my Planet Fitness membership still. Um, which is open 24 hours, and they have showers there, all those things. You can get a massage and all that. Um, And then I had my Costco membership, so I had a really tight um – Budget on food, you can get a five dollar rotisserie chicken. I was getting my <laughs> gas at Costco. Um, I would get um canned tuna fish there because it travels well. Here we are so with it-
0: some life tips. Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's called sacrifice. Yeah. yeah. Right? So you can eat tuna, like I okay. eat tuna. There's my protein so, source right, right there. Yeah. Get a case of water, bottled water, mix my protein shake, uh, five dollar pizza, five dollar hot and ready at little Caesars, uh-huh. you know, do that and then discipline. Um, yeah. So I would start I started I got my first client I would get like 12 hours a week with that client I would go in with this young lady um in Birmingham we, we would develop a social circle for Like how her.
1: but how did you know how to how to how to charge or what your services were going to be was it all based on um,
2: I ne- I contracted with the Ark of Oakland County. I credentialed with the Ark of Oakland County. Okay.
1: So based on the network you had already, you get um, a rate,
2: they give you okay. one and that's what it is. Oh, okay. Yep. Unless okay. I, unless I was doing private pay, which okay. I was also doing at the same time. Okay. So, um, I also, I did, I had my, um, the folks that I received the rate from the company from, and then I had the the rate that I would do private pay. Okay.
1: So the reason I'm, I'm asking that specific question is because a lot of our listeners are people that have ideas that want to go off and start a side hustle or a business or a nonprofit, and they don't know where to start. They don't know how to do it. So that's why I was asking. Like, But a lot of what I'm hearing you say is you're – You kept your network of people. You built up a good network of people from the 20 years of being involved in mental health and everything else.
2: You're never going to be able to read it in a book. Your experience is the best teacher. It's the truth. Right. So like, I didn't know how to do any of the things that I did. I just figured it out as I went. And really, if you read it from a book, it's never going to be, it's like following a script. It's nothing ever went according to plan. Everything went off the rails for me. All my lessons, all my hardest lessons, came to me like the first two. They're still happening. Like I can't tell you the
0: what's currently in the way.
2: Like I just wrapped up a, um, I just wrapped up a lawsuit with the payroll company that overpaid my employees a hundred thousand oh dollars during my COVID, gosh. and then all the employees quit and took the money. The payroll company sued me for the money. Two years wow. I've been through this lawsuit. They just oh showed my up. Gosh. They just showed up at my office. Friday to solicit business. The original sales mm. folks after this lawsuit. Oh
1: my gosh! I no can't way. Tell you.
2: The things the the things that have come up over the uh, the pandemic.
1: Well, so what keeps you going?
2: Sheer crazy. <laughs> I don't really know. <laughs> What's the why? So uh, yeah, I I uh, well service to others. Really, I mean that's all I that's all I've known. So people, I think.
1: Like, what's the big picture? what What do you see long term?
2: Well, there's a there's a vulnerable population that need support. Um, that's the big driving force. Um, you know, there's just a shortage of. You know, right now, I think it's an interesting time because kindness is trending, and it's very tricky. You know, I work working with the vulnerable population that I work with. Um, a lot of people want to attach themselves to for their business to, um, be kind or be nice to people because it looks good for business right now. So helping, uh, or attaching to vulnerable folks, um, looks real good right now, you know, whereby, um, these folks have been around all of our lives, you know? So what, whatever the, the thing is that helps someone find their way into it, that's great that you've gotten there when you get there. Cause Mm -hmm. people just get there when they get there. But, uh, you know, I think serving this population, even just the startup of, um, everybody that I've hired, I've, you know, you'll hire people that are, you think are down for the cause and you're, they're lying to your face, you know, you're paying them well, you're, you're, um, investing in them personally and professionally, you know, like I said, um,
1: well, um, how do you find people though that are as invested as you are, and not just there for
2: a paycheck? How do looking, you know? Still looking. You don't. Yeah. So, um, if people I think if people
0: actions. are listening and they want to reach out to you because they feel that this is something that they could, that it's the their goal in life, how do they contact you for a job opportunity?
2: Uh, the website, thirdcircleinc.com, um, our contact information is on their email. Um, you can apply for an application. I'm ex- always accepting applications um, for any position.
1: What kind of background do they need to have?
2: Any kind of a background. Really, for um, for an entry-level caregiver, they everyone goes through MORC training. So okay. MORC would be the... Um, premier training spot for their initial training. Um we we've gotten everybody from, you know, retired fathers from the automotive industry to um retired housewives, um, you know, grandparents, young folks. It's a great job if you're, you know, it's twenty four hour in home care for students um going to school. If you're um, going into psychology, the mental health field, medical field, nursing, any one of those backgrounds, you know, fit. Um, it's a great, I might
1: have somebody for you
2: for me growing up though. Um, I had parents that were training me on all of these things at a young age. Wait,
1: what, what did your parents do that would make them have you focus on that?
2: You know, we had, um, my brothers and I, we had parents that were, um, teaching us how to cook there weren't gender roles. Like we didn't have Mm -hmm. that. It didn't exist with our dad. Our dad was a, um, a hunter, a fisherman, all the things, but he always told us he loved us. Like that wasn't, he wasn't too manly to do that. Yeah, We got hugs, all those things. So I, I, I didn't know a house that didn't have those, that, um, and also, you know, our mom showed us how to do, uh, do laundry, cook food, pack lunches, all those things. That's great. So when I got, um, And they were psychos for cleaning. So like we were, (laughs) they really ran a tight ship over there. So those were good life skills for me to have moving forward into that field. I remember getting my first job as a caregiver and they were, you know, the women that I would be working with, um, the, if it was a house manager, um, they would be like, okay, you know, do the task or whatever for the folks. And so I would do, I would pack the lunches for the guys that were going off to the work blown away. And they were like. (laughs) They were. And I didn't understand because that's all I've ever seen. You know, I just also like, I'm a person that lives in a state of observation. So like, okay, well this would tell me, you know, I ate the lunches my mom packed me at school. Like this is what she put in. So if now you've told me 10 years later to go (laughs) pack a lunch for someone, apple sandwich,
1: right? you know what I mean? Like
2: juice box, you know, all the things, graham crackers. Um, So just having those life skills gave me that advantage into the field and then just kind of learning all of the other things moving on up. Um, Like I said, too, I wasn't a fan of doing my laundry as a kid. So my parents were the type that, oh, you don't like doing laundry? You're getting a job as the laundry boy at the nursing home.
0: So you know what I mean? So it was
2: kind of like that.
0: People (laughs) who are listening and they feel like you could offer some support for their current situation. How do they, where do they begin?
2: My, my current situation, um, if so,
0: is, if someone's listening and they have a, they have a child
1: or they have a family member
0: that's maybe
2: going to
1: transition out on their own, but needs some support.
2: Okay. So there is a, there's a process for that. You would contact, um, usually Mork intake. There's a, there's, you would go to the, the Mork org website. Um, and then follow the links. There's intake, also Common Ground. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you want to make sure everything's buttoned up with Social Security. Everybody's entitled to benefits like um, bridge cards. Right. Um, you know, once you're 18, the person, even when they're living, even the folks that are living in Birmingham, you know, those folks, once the child is 18, they they. Um, are entitled to their social security benefits for, you know, um, and all the other benefits that come along with that too. chore service. Um, I'm losing my train of thought. What's the other one? Uh, what did I say? Medicaid benefits, you know, all the things.
1: And they can look up your website as well for more information. Yes. Um, and if you can't volunteer, you do take donations. We right? do take donations. And what does that go for?
2: So we have a completely separate donations account that goes. Towards um, enrichment, so we are looking at getting into equine therapy. We already work with um, an art therapist, so I wanted to. Is that um, Carrie Ann? It is Carrie, Carrie Ann. Ann. She's yeah. fantastic. She is
1: fantastic.
2: We just had um, our international gentle teaching conference, and Carrie Ann was a presenter for Third Circle. Oh, that's
3: great! She
2: is our art therapist, um, and. We've had some great successful classes. She's right in tune with our folks. She makes everybody feel safe. She provides just such a great welcoming environment. Um, Some of the other things we're looking at tapping into is uh, music therapy. Um, We've even combined that with Carrie Ann, um, her fiance Alexander, he's also super talented. He's the founder of the Greater Impact House along with Carrie Ann and they both just know come in and just really wowed everybody with their just therapeutic you know yeah. vibes right and just everybody feels just safe and serene and um and just good and so that's a good experience so the um the donations help fund supplies um to make the experience the enrichment you know provide um a safe enriching you know
1: Do you guys do uh, fundraisers, different fundraising events and stuff like that? So,
2: And getting back to when you asked me about um, why I wanted to go nonprofit, fundraising was, um, you know, one of the key pieces. I think that putting together fundraisers and including the folks that the organization supports, it only helps them broaden their network of potential community interaction and social activity, making friends, um, potential employment within the community. We network a lot with the Clarkston Chamber of Commerce, Howell Chamber of Commerce, wow. Waterford Chamber of Commerce. Um, and all of that networking only helps to make connections for the folks the organization supports. But the fundraising, it, inc- it gets a lot of people involved and included. It brings the community together. Um, I personally wanted to learn about fundraising. Like I said, when I started up, I thought, oh, I was going to do all these fundraisers and it was yeah. going to be amazing. It sounds
1: glamorous until it, you have to do them.
2: <laughs> until you're just getting hit with stupid lawsuits and right. dirty landlords and yeah. like all of these things. It was like, you know, you hang a shingle. You think you're getting into the nonprofit, you know, sector, uh, helping cuties and right. all this with uh intellectual disabilities. It's really greasy and dirty, really, when you get into the startup and the mix of it all. It's not all fundraisers and cocktail parties right. by any means, but right. that is part of it. You get there eventually. Those are the things I guess you have to, you know, it's, it's not easy. It's not been easy, but you know, those things will come. Yeah. But, um, you know, putting together all of the, uh, the fundraisers and the, we, we, we just did a really great, a board member of mine, Rex Shurkey, he, um, spearheaded, step into the spotlight which was a red carpet experience for um for our folks
1: oh fine yeah
2: and he raised six grand for that wow yeah it was crazy um we had uh the overtime bar and grill in waterford put up the place for it It, they had a great banquet hall i mean we we really had the whole red carpet experience everyone people were wearing tuxedos um We had a limit, uh, a limo bus. People were getting to have a limo experience and all of those things. So it's nice when all that stuff finally comes together, but you really, it's hard work.
1: But you got Uh, over the five-year mark with the the business. You're Mm -hmm. six years now in business, right? Yep. So what do you hope to happen within the next
2: six years?
1: Like, what's the main goal?
2: You know, I want um, sustainability for our folks. Um, Really, I just want everybody to um, have a good provider, have a safe living experience. And out of, you know, kind of out of when I was starting up, when we got talking about um, how I got started up and driving around with the Mustang and having to swap out for the minivan, you know, another business kind of formed out of that, and that was um, third gear transportation. Um, I realized a lot of our folks They need to get places and they don't have a connection to do it um so i was driving i was spending a lot of my time driving all over the place
1: so you took that problem started another business
2: i did so it was uh it was tough because um while i was picking everybody up we were losing time in connecting you know, because there was so much driving, I was picking people up in Birmingham, Waterford, Clarkston, I got five people together and we only, now we've done like all this driving, gotta get, pick them up, take everybody home and everyone's all over the place. And taking Uber, Lyft and all these other public modes of transportation aren't great for someone that doesn't wanna get into a car with a stranger, doesn't know how to handle their seizure disorder, um, you know, or. You know what have you whatever whatever comes along with the particular diagnosis that person has so having a safe network of drivers you know um it was interesting just be uh right before the pandemic um the lockdown and everything i I had worked with an app development team on an app for oh, third wow. gear transportation. Oh, wow. And then I got tapped to pro, um, audition for Shark Tank producers in Detroit. Oh, really? Yes. Did you do that? I did. So it was a really weird time because literally the pandemic was just starting. Oh, yeah. So everything was weird. And then a girl, a local woman, drunk drove her truck through my house. So this was all during my audition. Oh my God. So I was driving down, I was having to, it was the pandemic, this woman drove her truck to my house, like the local police department covered it up, like in front of my face, she was drunk.
1: Wow. Um, And
2: they let her walk right in front of me. She lived up the street from me. It was crazy. So they had, um, I had, I was starting a remodel on the interior of my house and all my clothes were through the area that she drove her truck into. Oh my God. So they had removed all my clothes. So um, I had no clothes to go where I had sweatpants to wear to go did down you, to the thing. Did you, go,
1: did you audition? I you... was
2: going to the audition, but everything was getting crazy with the lockdown. So people were really starting to get paranoid. Yeah. And um, I was driving down to Detroit to com- commute for that. I really didn't even want to do it, to tell you the truth. I didn't want to do that. I was just doing it for the experience. I was. Com- there was a a million other things going on at that time. This was like icing on the cake with the girl in the truck. Oh, my God. So um, it was just So unreal. did you end up doing it? I, I did. I pitched for the, <laughs> I, I pitched for the, um, I did oh, the audition. Did. Um, I, uh, everything was starting to go to Zoom stuff after that. And then I just yeah. fell off track with it. And I didn't even, I didn't want to get to the point where I was going to go to Shark Tank. I just wanted so to that, do it. So that
1: pretty. must have been a sign that truck. Through your house, not to do it. I guess. I guess. Wow. <laughs> well, this is fascinating. So, um, again, give people the links of how they can get a hold of you.
2: ThirdCircleInc.com, and my email is office.thirdcircle@gmail.com.
1: And we do have the links. We will have the links posted on our site as well. Thank you so much for joining us, and it's a great story. And all the best with everything. Thank
2: you. I appreciate it.
0: All right, Liz is with us again, and today she is sharing what Jackie.
1: She is sharing discipline.
3: Ooh, discipline! I like discipline. Discipline is very important um, for us in the way that we um, manage our lives, manage our home, manage our jobs, and just how we just we conduct ourselves. Discipline does not need to be a deep, dark, hard thing that we must have as a rigid form of life structure. But the discipline in our life are the things that make us feel better that we always let go or put to one side. If we put them to one side too much, that can lead us to anxiety disorders or depression. So one foot in front of the other, understanding what we need to do in a day, how we need to do our self-care, like working out, brush our teeth at this time, make our bed my huge and number one. Discipline note is making your bed every single morning. In the military, they make you do it for a reason. It strengthens your brain. It keeps you organized in your head. And if you're organized, disciplined, and structured in your life, you feel better inside and you project well outside.
0: Perfect.
1: Perfect. Perfect. Okay.
0: All right. Let's go ahead and toss our cookies. Whichever way the prongs, that's your fortune. That and means- we'll end it
1: with third circle ink. Okay. Okay. Sounds good. And Jackie, just go ahead and rip the cookie. Well, see, Gina, I'm telling you, you do this purposely. You know what? Look, <laughs> it. I just why pull it right out. I know. Rip the cookie, Jack. I'm rip trying. The I don't want to. I think it's bad luck to rip it. It's not. It's not. It's okay. not. I will start then.
0: Your flair for the creative. The, your flair for the creative takes an important place in your life when you visit Third Circle.
1: Okay, mine says, Good luck is the result of good planning with Third Circle Inc. Nice.
2: Be prepared to accept a wondrous opportunity in the days ahead with Third Circle Inc.
1: On the Nooner Show, from the Nooner Show. Don't forget that part. From the
2: Nooner Show. I love the name, by the way. How, oh, you guys, thank you. how did you guys thank come up you. with the name? Oh, that's a whole, <laughs> a whole other, other podcast. Story. See, we need to do another <laughs> podcast. <laughs>
0: exactly. We'll have you back sometime. Remember to like, subscribe, and follow. And sometimes the only mode of
1: transportation available is a leap of faith. Thanks for taking a leap of faith. Have a great week.